The following is an exclusive presentation of Pirate Radio Digital Media. Brought to you by Brown and Wood, Buick GMC, Cadillac and Mazda. Hey, Pirate Nation, this is Tom Brown from Brown & Wood Buick GMC Truck. We've been serving the Pirate Nation in eastern North Carolina for 83 years. We have four brands, three generations, two showrooms, and one goal, to make sure you leave a happy customer. We're located on Greenville Boulevard next to the convention center, or shop us online at brownandwoodauto.com. The following is an exclusive presentation of Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation. This is Eastern North Carolina's longest-running sports radio call-in show. The Brian Bailey Show is on the air. The Brian Bailey Show on Pirate Radio is brought to you by Angus Grill, Boston Sug Furniture, Bojangles, East Coast Grading, The Gavigan Agency, Greenville Auto World, Papa John's, Pepsi, Seared Chop House, Taft Taft & Hagler, Tiebreakers, EMS Builders, and the Rick House. And now, here's Brian Bailey. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome into our show, Victory Monday for East Carolina's Pirates. What a comeback on Saturday in Huntington, West Virginia. The Pirates win it by the final of 42-38. And we're going to talk comebacks in our first part of our show today. A guy who knows a little bit about a big comeback for a big East Carolina win is Jeff Blake, the former Pirate quarterback. He'll take us back to the days of the Peach Bowl and talk about that comeback. And we'll compare the two because there are some great comparisons uh, when you look at these two matchups. But uh, I said all last week, this town needed a win, and they got it. In comeback fashion, East Carolina 42 and Marshall 38 was that final. So Jeff Blake joins us in just a bit. The second half hour, we're going to talk Wood Duck baseball. The Woodies are in the playoffs. They start tomorrow night at Historic Granger Stadium. And Matt Davis with the Downies Wood Ducks will join us as we talk baseball, playoff baseball, in September. That's coming up a little bit later on. Jeff Blake kicks us off. We're back with more on the Brian Bailey Show right after this. You're listening to the Brian Bailey Show. Now, back to Brian. All right, welcome back to our show. Talking comebacks today. The Pirates, of course, with that big 42-38 win over the Marshall Thundering Herd, their first win of the season. And speaking of comebacks, Jeff Blake led uh, the biggest comeback in Pirate history. That was another 17-point come-from-behind win. That was in the Peach Bowl. Probably a little bit of a bigger game for East Carolina's Pirates, but uh, after the 0-2 start, it was pretty close because I'm telling you, this town needed a win, and they got it. But Jeff Blake joins us right now, the former Pirate quarterback. Jeff, did you get a chance to see the Marshall game this weekend? Yeah, well, I saw I saw the highlights. I went over the highlights with the other game, and uh, I didn't get an opportunity to see it. They didn't show it here in Florida, so. But um, I was able to see the highlights, and it was it was a good game. I, I enjoyed watching that. Did it bring back any memories for you when you saw some of the highlights? Because obviously, the Pirates, you know, when you're when you're 17 points down, and and these stats come from Tom McClellan over to East Carolina, our good friend. He gave us some stats. Mm-hmm. East Carolina came back with 7:26 to play, at scoring you know enough to come back from 17 down. This time it was seven minutes and 30 seconds, so it's almost identical as far as the times go but when, when you mm. go back to, to that to that game Jeff I mean did you guys I know you said we heard the we believe and, and we knew we could do it but that's a that's a lot to come from behind from isn't it it is it definitely is but the key is and uh, the key is to stay focused on the game plan and not come off of the game plan and continue to work hard and keep chopping wood and, and that's what uh, these guys did this past Saturday and that's what we did when we did played in the Peach Bowl 
Um, we went to our, our spread offense, and uh, we had been practicing that the whole time, getting ready for um, uh, the Peach Bowl. And um, that was the opportunity to bring that, that part of that offense out. And we needed to uh, score points, score points fast. We knew we weren't going to be throwing, I mean, be running the football. We knew we was only going to be throwing it. So that gave us the opportunity to get the ball down the field as fast as we could to make some points so we can keep, keep in defense, did a great job getting three and out and, uh, and getting this ball back so we can go do it again. Yeah, I tweeted out earlier that I was fortunate enough to be on the sidelines for the Peach Bowl and that come from behind win and in Huntington, West Virginia for the win over Marshall. And it was really like a, a feeling of deja vu because I remember interviewing you afterwards on the field and you were really emotional. I mean, I mean, you, you know, you're fired up, you're yelling, screaming, and, but basically you had the same, the same message that Holt Naylor's had. And he was a little more subdued in his interview because, you know, it was, it was more of a sense of relief this time with this win because this team, you know, needed a win. They got the victory coming from way behind they were still very excited about it but his was a little more subdued but both of you guys showed tremendous leadership skills with the interviews and talked about how hey i just looked at the guys and said hey stay focused you know do your part do your job and we can win this thing you had the confidence that the pirates could come from behind and so did holt nailers on saturday night in huntington yeah definitely it's just it's a confidence thing you know as a quarterback, uh, um, here at IMG, one of the things I try to teach our quarterbacks is our energy. What type of energy we give off to our teammates. And, uh, the energy, they, they can feel that energy. And if you have, uh, that go get them energy that, you know, don't, don't worry about it. I got this type of energy. They're very confident, very poised. You know, you see the guys, the quarterbacks that are very poised. You look at, uh, uh even your Brady's or even I look at the young quarterback at Alabama. You know, Bryce Young, just very poised, you know. Uh, whenever you have that type of attitude when you play quarterback, you don't get rattled. You just keep playing. Russell Wilson, all of these guys, you just, you just keep playing. And I love that. I love the fact that nothing rattles them, no matter what the naysayers say or what the people think about your game. You know, every every week, you know, they I see people talk about Lamar Jackson, like, you know, he's still not a quarterback, a, a, a premier NFL quarterback. And I say, you guys must be crazy. You guys are MVP players. And it makes plays constantly, and they're constantly talking about he needs to do this better. He needs to know. He just needs to keep winning football games. That was that was my next question for you, Jeff, because Holton has in the first two games the offense has struggled. Holton has struggled a little bit, and and you know with with him, you know his family's here. He's from here, from D.H. Conley. I mean, he grew up here. I mean, there's a tremendous amount of pressure on him anyway. I think he adds to that because he really you know wants to do well, you know, so very badly. But as a quarterback, how do you separate that? How how do you have a bad game and and just kind of brush it aside and, and get ready for the next one? Well, the key is not to have any bad games. That's the key. All right. The key is just to stay consistent. And as a quarterback, you know, in college and pro ball, even in high school ball, in today's game, you have to stay consistent. He needs to build off of the game he just had, and he needs to have that game every week. He can't go back to no touchdown games. He can't go back to, you know, where you have more interceptions than touchdowns. You can't go back to what a drive stall. You got to score every possession you have, you know, even if it comes out with a field goal. Or at least put the defense in a position where they have better field position and their offense have bad field position. So, uh, even in that sense, you have to be cognizant of what's going on in situations. And I think, uh, if he continues to do that and continue to play the way he just played this week consistently throughout the rest of the year, you'll see those type of games from him. 
Holton became the first pirate since James Summers on October 29th of 2016 to run for a touchdown, to catch a touchdown pass, and to throw a touchdown pass in the same game. So my question to you, Jeff Blake, as a pirate, did you ever catch a touchdown pass? I don't think I did. I don't think he did either, but I couldn't remember, but I thought I'd ask you. But that's a really cool stat. We all remember James Summers and the athlete that he was, but uh, I'm trying to think back to, to anybody else in pirate history. that, that... I, don't, I don't think Coach Logan would have put me on island like that. <laughs> I heard it would have been over. <laughs> that's right. He, he had too much value at, at the quarterback position. And Holton has value, obviously, but Holton is more of a runner than uh, Jeff. But, but Jeff, what was, what was your biggest scramble as a player? And I think in my head i know what it is but but let's see what you say what was your biggest scramble as a pirate probably that syracuse game that, that's what i thought the syracuse game do you remember what's about that play i don't know i kind of stepped up in the pocket and you know it kind of opened up and i just took off and you know and i saw the end zone and i just tried to get to it and i got to it you know so uh that was about it really you know i just i think that's about the longest run i had my senior year in college we were talking with uh, Coach Houston after the game, and one of the sound bites that he gave us, he said, you know, I've, I've read enough pirate history to know that a couple of East Carolina teams have gotten off to a little bit of a slow start and, and rebounded to have magical seasons. And obviously the most magical was the 1991 season when East Carolina won the 92 Peach Bowl in Atlanta on that uh, January 1st uh, late morning, early afternoon. But, but as a team, when you get a win like that, when you come from behind and, and get a win like that, can that propel? this team to, to really do some things that they weren't expected to do and, and, and maybe still go to a bowl game? Yes, definitely, definitely. It definitely can propel you to the next level, but you got to, you got to do it again every week because people don't expect that. You know, you can't, like I said, you can't have that type of game and then go back the next week and then look like you did the first two weeks. You know, so you, at the end of the day, it's about winning. And at the end of the day, if you win seven to six, it may not look pretty, but you got the W. And you can put up all the, put up all the, all the, all the numbers you want, you know, and it looks, looks good on paper, but at the end of the day, if you don't get that W, you know, all that really doesn't mean much anymore. So at the end of the day, it's about winning the football game. And I think if the guys understand that, like you said, everybody do their job and they go out and the ultimate goal is to win and nothing else matters, no matter how many touchdowns I throw, no matter how many yards I throw for. No matter how many yards my running backs rushes for, how many picks, you know, a DBs get and all that kind of stuff, how many tackles somebody, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, if you don't get the W, all those numbers don't mean nothing. And I think Holt Ehlers would say the exact same thing. Jeff Blake, the former Pirate quarterback, joining us. We'll take a commercial break right now. We'll come back. We'll find out more about what Jeff Blake is up to these days as the Brian Bailey Show continues on this Victory Monday for East Carolina. Back with more after this. You're listening to The Brian Bailey Show. Now, back to Brian. All right, welcome back to our show. Former Pirate quarterback Jeff Blake, who led that come-from-behind win in the Peach Bowl back uh, in 1992. It's the date of the Peach Bowl, 1991 season, ending up with the uh, dream season. And the Pirates ranked number nine in the nation afterwards. But, uh, Coach, uh, I say Coach Blake because now he's the director of the Quarterback Academy at IMG Academy. Jeff, tell us a little bit about what you're doing with with the academy and, and some of the players you're working with. Uh, 
Um, so basically what we do at Academy, we do full development when it comes to quarterbacks. So we cover everything from A to Z, from mechanics and so forth to philosophy to uh, uh, game planning to uh, understanding, you know, how to play the position and who you are as a quarterback and, and, and playing the position. Um, going over different types of understanding how to study game film, how to critique yourself. So everything when it comes to developing a full quarterback, we do that here. We don't just uh, practice what we do at IMG as an offense. We do a, a variety of things at the academy to where we teach teaching quarterbacks um, every type of offense. I don't care if it's a West Coast system, run and shoot, spread, or uh, uh, you know, RPO, we do it all. So when they leave here, no matter what school they go to, if they go to East Carolina, if they go to Wisconsin, it doesn't matter. They all run different offenses and they should be able to, uh, be able to adapt to any offense that they go into because they know how to do a three-step drop, a five-step drop, a sprint out, boot, RPO. It doesn't matter. Hard play action, you know, shotgun play action. We do everything here at the academy. So we try to put them in the best position so when they transition out of here, whatever school they go to, that they're able to go out and they're able to play and play at a high a high um, high development. Uh, also, uh, basically, I work with all the quarterbacks that play as well. Uh, so our national team quarterback is A.J. Duffy. A.J. is already committed to Florida State. And so we work on some of the things that, uh, uh, that we feel like he will need when he gets to the next level at college football. And when it comes to coaching, style of coaching, uh, the transition from our – facility to Florida State should be very easy for him. So as far as that goes, during the high school football season, how do you work with the, the players? And then obviously in the off season, it's a little different. Uh, yeah, I have uh, parts of practice where I get all the quarterbacks. So I have about 20 minutes with them. Uh, 20 minutes uh, with them before practice, like uh, doing individual, and then I have about an hour with uh, a lot of that. We have about 15 quarterbacks here. Uh, only six of them actually play. So by the, so I get the other seven, eight to myself about a whole hour every day. Is that hard for those guys that come in and, and aren't playing? And is that, I mean, it's, it's important to, to learn everything, I guess, with, with IMG. It's also important to get the game action, isn't it? Well, most of those guys are eighth and ninth graders. Okay. They so they're early. If they were at, if, yeah, if they were at their other school, they probably wouldn't be playing either. So, yeah. Uh, especially at the varsity level, because we don't have a freshman or a JV team. We don't have varsity teams here. So we develop them to be a varsity player. So we like, we have some kids that come here eighth grade, ninth grade year, go back home on their tenth grade year and be, and be starters because they've been practicing and developing to do that the whole time they've been here. So that, that happens a lot here where kids that come here to eighth grade, ninth grade year, get developed up, get coached up, understanding the game, understand everything that we're teaching them. So when they go back, they're not going to get that that type of training at home because their coaches don't have time to do it, you know, because um, they got, you know, 50-some-odd kids they got to practice and, and, and coach. So they don't have the time to do a lot of the one-on-one. Even in the offseason, that's why kids have their own trainers and all that kind of stuff. So we kind of provide that for them throughout the whole year, during the season and doing, especially during the offseason as well. 
I mentioned earlier that the stats for the two comebacks are really similar. Jeff Blake and the Peach Bowl and uh, Holton Aylers from the other night, the Marshall Miracles, what people are calling it. But uh, Holton was 30 of 47 for 368 yards, two touchdowns, uh, then one receiving touchdown, one um, rushing touchdown. So he counted for four of the touchdowns. Jeff Blake and the Peach Bowl, 31 of 51, 378 yards, three touchdowns, had a rushing touchdown as well. So very similar stats. Uh, the comeback. East Carolina trailed in the Peach Bowl with 7.26 to play by 17. Trailed with 7.30 to play by 17. So it's just a four-second difference there. And and when, when you look at, at Holton as a quarterback, Jeff, with your experience now, not only at East Carolina, playing in the pros, and what you've learned from others, and what you teach at IMG, what would you say to Holton as far as some of the things that, that, that he could tweak a little bit? Well, you know, I, I haven't watched him that closely. You know, I watch the whole game when I watch. I'm not really trying to critique uh, Holton as he's playing. But the only thing I can say just by looking at the game in general, just to keep playing hard, you know, uh, stay within the system, understand the system, understand situations, uh, try not to put your team in bad situations by, you know, having turnovers at the end of the game, be smart, manage the game, you know, those type of things. And though he knows these things already. It's not something that I'm sure he doesn't already know. But as a coach, you reiterate these things to your players week in and week out because those are the things that are going to help you win ball games. And and how do you work with your players as far as stuff between the ears and, and stuff that they have to, you know, because, because it's easy to say you, you can do this and do that, but, but when you're working with someone and coaching them up, you know, it's a little different. Well, you know, repetition. You just have to rep it out. We rep out a lot of situations. We do a lot of situational coaching here at IMG because that's the best. That's the only way to play. We have we put our guys in situations uh, that they will see on game day, uh, uh, and much as we can in practice, so they can figure out how to get how to um, maneuver and get out of those situations or beat those situations when we see it. So when we see a blitz, we practice that blitz. We game plan every week here. We don't just say, okay, we're gonna run our offense and. Just, you know, whatever the defense do, we just going to run our offense. No, we game plan against every defense that we see each week. So we know exactly what we're going to run, and we know exactly how we're going to beat them. So whenever weakness that we see that week, we're going to attack it. And so we do that here, and that's why we play so well, and that's why we beat people the way we beat them, because we're actually game planning. We're not just saying, okay, this is our offense, we're just going to run it. Jeff Blake joining us, the former East Carolina quarterback, now with the IMG Academy as the director of quarterbacks there at the Academy. Uh, Jeff, your future goals as far as your career goes, do you, do you, are you settled where you're at? Do you really, I'm, not, I'm sure you like it there, but are you looking down the road to maybe, you know, getting into coaching or, or, or doing your own thing as a head coach somewhere? Well, Brian, I've been trying to get into coaching for the last 11 years. It just hasn't worked out for me. So, uh, I've stayed in the personal, uh, you know, doing the personal training and doing the camps and stuff like that. Uh, this is this here the same way, you know, um, opportunity to coach, you know, it would come, you know, if it, if it ever comes, but I'm not pressing it. You know what I'm saying? I enjoy doing what I do. I enjoy developing quarterbacks. Um, I have, uh, three of my quarterbacks that I trained over the last couple of years are in, uh, the, the division one ball, one at Texas, uh, of course, Shador at Jackson state and, uh, Demetrius Davis at Auburn. So I'm looking forward, uh, 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 Charles Wright at Texas. So I'm looking forward for those guys to start stepping up here in the next year or two and start, uh, Shador's already playing now. Um, so I'm looking forward for those guys to start, you know, branching out and start playing and contributing at their universities as, as well and, and, and showing what they've learned over the last couple of years in training. So you'd like to coach on the collegiate level then? 
Honestly, I would uh, uh, like to coach on the pro level. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I would like to coach on the pro level. You know, uh, uh, college is fun. High school is fun. But, you know, pros is where it's at. You know, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's really uh, – and I, I played in that environment for a long time, Brian. And uh, that environment, when you're dealing with – those type of athletes, you're dealing with those type of uh, quarterbacks. It, it, your job ain't that hard. <laughs> it, 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 it ain't that hard to coach Brady. I'm telling you, it, it's just not that hard. Right. It wouldn't be hard to coach Eli. It wouldn't be hard to coach, you know, Peyton. It's not hard to coach Russ. And, you know, just make sure they know their game plan and make sure they know the adjustments and when they're hot, what protections they're running that week and, you know, understanding the coverages and when they see it, take a shot. If not, drop the ball down, which they already know that stuff. It just ain't that hard. I mean, Byron Leftwich got an easy job, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned Peyton and Eli. Have you had a chance to watch those guys on ESPN2 on the Monday night games? The, the, the debut was last week, and they'll have another one tonight. But they were great in week one. I'm going to check it out tonight. I'm going to check it out tonight. I didn't check it out last, uh, last Monday night. Um, uh, but I will check it out tonight, though. But, yeah. All right, wrapping things up with Jeff Blake, the former Pirate quarterback. Now, what are your plans for this uh, fall? Are you going to get back to East Carolina to see a game? Uh, we, we we won't finish playing here because I go to all the games. Uh, I'm actually in the booth on the national game, so um, um, I'm upstairs with Coach Schramm, our office coordinator, um, for the national game. So I am in the booth, and I do travel with the national team. So uh, as long as we plan, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get there as long as we're playing, because so, we play on Friday night. So if I can get somewhere close and uh, get there, if we happen to be somewhere close and I could probably get there, I'd probably try it out. Any um, regional teams that you guys get a chance to play, any, anything that we would, we, we, we've seen before? What are some of the teams on the schedule? Well, we, we just played uh, Orlando Jones the week before that. We played Miami Northwestern. This week we played um, Springfield. Um, Central and Springfield, Massachusetts. Uh, so we go up there this weekend and play them. We don't play any Virginia, North Carolina teams, um, no Georgia teams. It's hard to get teams to pay us to play us, Brian. Hey, I could say <laughs> we have a hard time trying to get teams to play us. They really don't want to play us because it messes up their state stuff and all that kind of stuff. So we don't we don't play for state. We only play for national. So um, yeah, it's hard to get teams to play us. I think the closest we the closest game that we will play in North Carolina is in Alabama. We play Auburn. We play Auburn High School. Auburn High School in Alabama yeah. for yeah. IMG. Well, Jeff, hey, I certainly enjoyed the uh, the visit this morning. I just thought it was so you know so neat being in Huntington and seeing Holton and company come back, and it reminded me of the Peach Bowl comeback so much. And uh, we've talked about it, you know, year in and year out with the Hall of Famer Jeff Blake. But it's always nice to talk to you. I'm glad your career is going well. Hope you get that shot to coach in the pros. I think that would be a lot of fun. But you've always, you know, as a player, uh, you really you know wore the East Carolina Pirate purple and gold with pride, and, and you always you carried yourself in such a professional manner back then and you've done the same thing for 30 years or so so uh we certainly appreciate having you on today thank you sir i appreciate you uh go part all right jeff blake joining us today as we continue on on this monday here on the brian bailey show coming up next the wood ducks are in the playoffs we'll talk with matt davis with the downies wood ducks coming up as our show continues after this
You're listening to The Brian Bailey Show. Now, back to Brian. All right, welcome back on this Monday as we continue on. The Down East Wood Ducks are in the playoffs. The Ducks will play the first two playoff games at home at Historic Granger Stadium and then take off, takes off uh, south to Charleston, South Carolina, take on the Charleston River Dogs, and that's coming up uh, for games on uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday for games three, four, and uh, three for sure, and four and five if necessary. It's a best of five series. Matt Davis with the Wood Ducks joins us, and uh, Matt, first of all, congratulations to the Woodies in the postseason. Thank you, Brian. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's got to be. I mean, it's always, you know, when you play a long season like that, I'm sure, you know, in your role, you've had your ups and downs, and, you know, everybody loves it when you win, but when you have to, you know, when you have to report on losing and, and that kind of thing, it gets kind of rough. But they, they've had a really good season, got off to a great start early on, and it's really, you know, they've played good baseball. Yeah, they, they really have. And, I mean, you, there's nothing more you can ask for what they've done down the stretch. I mean, my my dad's a big sports fan all the time, and I'm only one in my family that works in sports and in media. Um, so, you know, he'll, he'll just call me after every game, that you know, every home game. He's like, they're catching fire at the right time. I'm like, let's just pump the brakes here. You know, we still need uh, we still need a couple of other teams to, you know, get cold at the right time too. Um but let me tell you something. It's, I haven't stopped smiling since last night at about 7 o'clock when Delmarva hit that two-run home run in the top of the night. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah, Delmarva, uh, they, they let it – They um, Salem led in that game what, early on. Was it 3 nothing or 5-1 or something like that? It was uh, – it was five to one. Right, that's what it was. In the fourth. Yeah. Naturally, all of us that were, I was sitting with our director of marketing, Alexa K, our uh, one of our interns, Jackson Pass, and uh, another uh, press box worker, Jackson Royal. We were watching the game on my iPad at Ironclad uh, axe throwing downtown in downtown Kinston. <laughs> they were up five to one. We're all looking at each other, kind of like just looking like, oh well. It was a great season. It was it was fun, and you know, slowly but surely, we were do, I, we were doing something. We weren't ta- we weren't watching the game. All of a sudden, Delmarva started to climb back, and we started to notice. And I said, we weren't watching the game, so let's go back to ignoring it, and we'll see what happens. Very superstitious, um, but it was it was a lot of fun. And you know, I mean, after there was high five bugs all around, and you know, we're we're getting ready for two games here at Granger Stadium on Tuesday and Wednesday. Did you find that that the way Major League Baseball, you know, they they reshuffled all of minor league baseball, and, and we don't have league names anymore. We have the Low A East, the Low A East League, the Central Division is where the Wood Ducks, you know, came from. I guess I think I, I think I had that right. It, to me, they they've just lost something by not having you know Carolina League and, and the, the South Atlantic League and. And it just, to me, it, it didn't even really feel like a pennant race, although it was. The top two teams out of the three divisions, you know, advanced to the playoffs. But it was really different, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, you kind of take a look. And, you know, I was talking to some of my buddies that are also broadcasters in minor league baseball. And we would all kind of poke fun about, you know, the AAA, you know, East-Northwest division. Um, you know, it's just kind of funny, but... Um, you know, technically, I still think they're owned by not Major League Baseball, so I think they still have that trademark, which is why you don't see the Carolina League or the South Atlantic League right now, because they're still owned under a trademark. But, you know, for right now, they're pretty good name placeholders. You know, I'm not going to complain about a low-A East Central Division champs, you know? 
yeah. it still is nice to have that by your name. <laughs> Anytime you have champs with it, I think you can uh, get along with it. But, so do you think that maybe down the road, because I, I never really realized why. I knew that they reshuffled everything, but but I didn't understand the reasoning as to why we didn't have some of the league names. Do you think they'll 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 come back to league names at some point? You know, that's one thing I hope for. I'm not going to say yes or no because I don't know. Um, but I think it would definitely, I think it would look, not look better, but sound better. You know, it's a mouthful to say AAA East Northwest Division, low A East Central. Correct. You know, it just, it doesn't roll off the tongue like Pacific Coast League, International League, uh, Texas League, Florida State League. Right. Carolina League or whatever have you. I mean, they're, they're, it rolls off the tongue a lot better. And again, that might be more of a comfort thing because we're used to that. We've been saying it for how long? For me, forever, yeah. And the you know the Southern Division champs in the Carolina League, or the Northern Division champs in the Carolina League, and you know it just seems like to me that uh, that we we got to get back to that at some point. Maybe it's not the Carolina League. Maybe it changes to something else. But it just seems like it's just like conferences. I don't know if you know this or not, but but like like in some states they they've gone to like Region Seven, you know, Conference Twenty One A. I mean, to me, you know, I love the fact that we've got you know conferences, the Eastern Plains Two A Conference, and the the Big Carolina 3A, 4A, and you know we've got conference names because it kind of gives it a little flavor, a little flair. Yeah, I, I would definitely say that the flavor is missing. Um, you know, to, to, to quote Gordon Ramsay, every bit of food needs some sort of seasoning. So, you know, I, I definitely think that it's a little stale to just say at the low A East. Uh, you know, not a lot of thought comes into that. So, you know, I will say that I am definitely on the side of I hope that they would eventually – either think of some new league names or come up with something to kind of, you know, reincorporate the old minor league feel with this new layout that we have. Matt Davis with the Downies Wood Ducks joining us now. The uh, Wood Ducks headed to the playoffs. Games one and two of this series are set for historic Granger Stadium, seven o'clock start times, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday's a travel day, off day, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday for games three and if necessary, four and five. It's a best three out of five series. And that's as far as the playoffs go for these two teams, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. The, uh, so they came out with the release in about June. Yeah. Saying that, you know, we're, we're going to have playoffs. It's going to be the same for double A and below. It's the two best teams in the league, regardless of division, regardless there's no first or second half. It's one and two best records at the end of the season. Here's the tiebreakers, you know, enjoy. And right now the Wood Ducks are enjoying it. <laughs> That's right. All right, Ben, take us through the Wood Duck roster a little bit and tell us some of the uh, the players that fans will have a chance to, to see at least a couple more times this year. Well, I'm going to start off with uh, the reigning player of the week, uh, Christian Enoa uh, for the Down East Wood Ducks. He hit 500 over the last six games of the season. He went 10 for 20 in his uh, final six games. He had four extra base hits, two doubles, two home runs, six runs batted in. He was hitting cleanup all week against the Charleston River Dogs. And when I say that he lived up to the cleanup batter name, he cleaned up everything on the bases. Um, so he was just an incredible piece in the lineup to watch. I talked about it with uh, manager Carlos Cardoza on our uh, pregame show uh, on Sunday. I had a Coach's Corner interview with him that airs on our pregame show. And um, he was glad that I brought him up because he's basically told me that that having Christian hitting in the four spot in our lineup – was huge all week. Um, but, I mean, everybody's kind of catching hot at the right time. Luis Angel Acuna 
team leading 12 home runs. He had a walk-off grand slam back on Tuesday, which, I mean, when I say electrified the press box, I mean, it was darn near set on fire when that happened. Um, 74 runs batted in, again, a team leading uh, 70 or 12 home runs. Uh, Thomas Sejaci, who has just been absolutely an incredible hitter for the Wood Ducks, he is second on the team in OPS with an 834. He's getting on base. He's hitting the heck out of the baseball. Ten home runs, third on the team. Uh, pitching, I'm going to go to the pitching now. Nick Krauss, the first Wood Duck to throw a complete game, nine-inning complete game this season. He's a two-time pitcher of the week, and only he and Kristen Noah have been named a player of the week by uh, minor league baseball for the low A East. Um, our starters for probably games one and two, uh, Gavin Collier, John Matthews, both are really good pitchers to watch. John Matthews is on a little bit of a hot streak over his last couple of starts, double-digit strikeouts in two of his last three starts, I believe. Uh, again, Gavin Collier, big. He's 3-1 and one as a starter, uh, 16 starts this season, a 3.33 ERA. And, you know, he's up there in innings pitch. He's thrown 73 innings this year. So he's been a real workhorse for uh, the Wood Ducks. And that's just to name a few. But make sure to get your tickets because they're going like hotcakes right now for games one and two. That was my next question. Do you guys have anything planned as far as special events? I know, you know, minor league baseball is more than just coming out and watching a team play and seeing if they play good baseball. Minor league baseball is all about entertaining the fans and, and you guys do a great job down there. A lot of folks in Greenville love to make the trip to Kinston and, uh, you know, you got the Mother Earth Pavilion out there in, uh, in right field. I mean, it's just, a, it's a neat ballpark. It's a neat place to go. You guys make it so easy with, with the, you know, Thirsty Thursdays and, you know, the dollar dollar all night and that kind of thing. But anything planned for these two playoff games? You know, we're kind of putting it together right now. Um, I'm probably going to be as surprised as everybody else, but I think that we've got, you know, our director of marketing, Alexa Kay, working with um, some of our staff, and I know that she's going to come up with some great stuff for this weekend, or for this coming week. Should be a lot of fun. It's a best of five series again, games one and two, Tuesday and Wednesday at Historic Ranger Stadium. How have your crowds been, uh, especially down the stretch? They've been really good. I mean, I, I think as fans kind of slowly put two and two together that, you know, the Wood Ducks are winning, they're winning at the right time, and they might have a shot at this thing. The, the crowd has really shot up in the month of uh, September, and, I mean, they, we, we love the support here at Granger Stadium, and uh, especially me as a broadcaster to feed off that energy that's coming through my crowd, Mike. It's, it's been really amazing. Um, but, I, you know, I'd say that, the, like I said, the last couple games of the season, the last week, Everybody's really showed out here in Kinston and, you know, we, again, thank you to everybody and for coming out and, you know, hopefully we can keep the energy going for two more home games. A lot of the teams are able to stream their games. Uh, is that something that in the future you think Downies will look to do? You know, that's a little bit above my pay grade. Um, you know, I don't know yes or no. I can't really answer that. Um, you know, my hope is that, you know, every team can make their broadcasts accessible to people that might not be in the general area. Uh, but again, that's a little bit above my pay grade. I don't want to say yes or no. My hope is that, again, every minor league team at some point can make their games accessible to people all around the country because that's only going to grow the game of baseball, and that's ultimately what we all want. Employees in minor league baseball, major league baseball, we just want to see the game grow and continue to grow. 
the newest member of my staff, Garrett, came out the other day to um, to cover his first time covering a Wood Duck game, and that was the Acuna uh, walk-off Grand Slam. He came back with some great highlights, and then we were talking about it, and he had to get back to edit, so he couldn't stay for the, for the end of it. But then we saw you guys tweeted it out, and whoever shot it did a really nice job. of uh, it, it captured all of the emotion. And, and you know, sometimes as, as photographers, we think, you know, shoot tight and get the ball going out of the park and get the emotion on their faces. But sometimes a wider shot tells the story just as well. So we were able to use that shot to add to our highlights. And uh, and really, it did capture it. That was a very emotional game. And a game, it turned out, that you guys had to have to, to win this thing to make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it was, it, like I said, these guys have figured out the way to win at the right time. And, um, you know, that was a, you know, the last six games of the season. You know, I got a lot of questions from the staff, from a bunch of people saying, you know, what do we need to do? And I said, we need to go shot for shot with Salem. But by the end of six games, we need to be plus two in the win column. They need to be minus two. And, uh, you know, we kind of went shot for shot with them for a little bit and it all worked out on Sunday. But, you know, without Acuna's walk off grand slam, it makes the road a lot tougher for the next five games. Downies comes in at 72 and 48 on the season. Charleston at 82 and 38. So Charleston's really been kind of the, the premier team in the entire league the whole year, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, you, you know, I remember I was texting a buddy of mine who's in the uh, South Division with the Columbia Fireflies. He was going to be my boss last year. Um, early in the season, I think the Fireflies were sitting up top. Charleston was about nine wins and nine losses, and he texted me. He said, "Yeah, don't don't pay attention to the standings right now because Charleston's going to be really good." And I said, "Dude, what are you talking about? There, there are nine wins and nine losses." And you know, lo and behold, I'm eating my words right now. But uh, you know, come the playoff time, you kind of throw those regular season records out of the building because three out of five is a lot different than you know a six game series to end the season. You know, it, there's a lot more on the line, and I think that um, we're going to see two really different teams. Uh, mentality-wise, come the first, you know, the this week. And Downey's just finished the six-game series with uh, Charleston and won four out of the six, so that's another good sign, right? You know, that's what you hope for. Like I said, you know, you, you beautiful thing about sports is um, you catch you catch fire at the right time. Anything's possible. Um, I can definitely say that it's always good to go into a postseason, you know, running full steam instead of limping into a postseason. But again. Charleston River Dogs, we've seen them twice this year, once at their place, once at our place. Um, they don't quit. You know, I've seen their bats come to play. Um, I've seen their pitching really take charge. So we won four out of six at home. We won four out of six at their place. That's in the regular season. Postseason is a whole different animal. Um, so, you know, we'll get their best and they'll get our best. And, you know, you just never know. Uh, you know, like I said, uh, 12 games against the River Dogs is a lot different than just three out of five. And when it comes to the postseason, you just never know. And that's the beautiful thing about sports. So hopefully we'll find out real soon. But uh, I'm hoping I'm hoping for uh, things to end up positive on our side. All starts coming up tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. Gates open at 6 at Granger Stadium. And the first pitch at 7 o'clock as the postseason comes to Kinston, North Carolina, the Downey's Wood Ducks and the Charleston River Dogs. Matt, thanks so much for spending part of your Monday with us. We certainly appreciate your time, and, and we'll see you at the ballpark. Thank you, Brian. It was an absolute pleasure. All right. Matt Davis with the Wood Ducks joining us. We'll take our final time out. We'll come back. More thoughts on that big comeback for East Carolina from over the weekend. We've got the Tulane kickoff time as well. Back with more on this Monday after this.
You're listening to The Brian Bailey Show. Now, back to Brian. All right, welcome back to our show as we wrap things up on this edition of The Brian Bailey Show on this Monday. Cliff Rock joins us for a couple of minutes to get his thoughts on the big comeback from the other night. Now, uh, how did you guys see the game? You guys watched it all together, right? We were, uh, you know, old school, huddled around, watching it on Facebook, like the old days. <laughs> like the old days. I did think about, you know, when I guess folks used to huddle around, listen to games on the radio. Oh, yeah. Daily. I've done that a lot of times. We were, uh, we had that laptop right in front of you open, and Shirley, Chandler, Weave, myself were all watching it on the same computer, and it was awesome. Wow. Yeah, it, it was, 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 and I've heard it was a very, you know, good broadcast, very yeah. well done, no commercials. I mean, there were a lot of positives to it, right? Yeah, and a lot of people had it uh, pulled up on their TV. We had another game going on the TV and just pulled up there. But from a production standpoint, it looked like a CBS Sports Network uh, broadcast. I th- and I've seen a lot of – some people liked the announcers, some didn't. Uh, they had fun with it. I will say I liked that they focused on ECU and Marshall the entire time. In a lot of other games, they'll get talking about Alabama and other teams. You know, I, I thought they did a good job of really – catering to the herd and uh pirates crowd and I-, I like Corey chavis all right i remember him as a player in the nfl and uh he's done a lot of games so he knows ecu and that's always a good thing i had a chance to make the trip to huntington and and i'd heard that uh that all the fans there were super nice to everybody all yeah. the time and and i got to see it firsthand and it was really amazing that you know all the bars and restaurants that were right around the hotel everywhere we went somebody would stop and they would say hey good luck to you guys tomorrow and and even after the game i had people come up to me and and, and just you know say hey how's a heck of a comeback man have a safe trip back to greenville so you know it, the, the huntington people were just great the area that they and me, brian meador told me before we left that that the area where the hotel is is just really they they rebuilt it probably 15 years ago but it's really nice down there with restaurants bars you know movie theater all kinds of little places and it was just a, a cool place and then you know when you go to a game like that it was a game you know sometimes games like that are won by the team that needs to win more and i think this was a situation although when you get down by 17 with seven minutes to play most of the time you're not going to win that football game but there, yeah. but there were some key plays in that. I mean, you know, you look at at, at the onside kick, and, and I was wondering. You know, I heard Coach Houston say. I, I mentioned this when I was talking to Jeff Blake. That, that Coach Houston said, if we got the look, you know, that we got the look that we wanted to get, that's why we tried the onside kick. So I took that as to, that he was saying that they would have kicked it deep and used their timeouts to get the ball back if they didn't, you know, get the look that they wanted. But they got the look they wanted. It was executed perfectly. Uh, I didn't see the replays, and you guys did. How? close was it to 10 yards uh, about as close as it could possibly right be. yeah that's what we. That's what we thought as far as as being on the field and i said that the marshall logo probably saved the pirates because you couldn't tell because the line didn't go all the way across and so it was right at 10 if you call it 10 yards on the field you almost had to stick with it and the best angle they had like the side shot it, there was a just bodies upon bodies laying around in front of the camera view, so you couldn't tell. You yeah. couldn't overturn it right. at that angle, so the Pirates got a break there, too. Yeah, it was great to see Holton play so well, I mean, and the offense, and everybody was getting on Donnie, opening it up, opening it up. So Donnie's like, okay, I got I got a guy back here that li- likes to throw the football. I'm going to use it a couple of times, and he did that with Tyler Sneed. And, uh, you know, Tyler, I think he completed the other one, but he slipped when he threw it. But, yeah, and but, got crushed. Yeah, he did. He got <laughs> nailed, yeah. yeah. He, he did. He got nailed. He got 
got nailed uh, last week against South Carolina when he uh, threw the ball to Josiah Hatfield. Yep, he, yeah, he did. Yep, because and that play, I, I think I told you this last week, but when, you know, I talked about, hey, they got to get the ball to Tyler. They're going to run that, that jet sweep, and they started running. I said, man, how smart am I? They're running the jet sweep. <laughs> they stopped and fired. Hey, what do you want better? Yeah, what well, Exactly, and he did, and he completed it. And that was the uh, touchdown to start the South Carolina game, and you know, and talking with Coach Houston after the game, you know, he didn't really say it publicly. But he kind of mumbled it to himself, like, "Man, you know, we we should have got that one last week." And he's right. I mean, they you all know, know. I, I tweeted after the game, and everybody was in such a great mood. And I said, "I, I remember that." I'm not going to say anything right. about that game last week that we could have won, but I'm not going to talk about it. But I mean, they're that close to winning yep. that one, and. Uh, but now, Bailey, uh, you look uh, at what's coming up, a very winnable game right. on Saturday, and then what should be a great one at home, great kickoff time. Yeah, 3.30. 3.30 kickoff with East Carolina and Tulane coming up on October the 2nd. And that's that's a really big football game because that's your conference opener. Uh, it's going to be the start the month of October. If East Carolina can go out and take care of business this week, they would be 2-2 two and two on the season and taking on the Tulane Green Wave. And Tulane's played, you know, they played Oklahoma tough, and they've played a tough schedule as well. So I'm looking forward to that. That's a great kickoff for Pirate fans, 3.30. I think that's the perfect kickoff off for, for most of us as far as trying to get our work done and trying to get the tailgating in and trying to get everything going. Speaking of fans, Bailey, uh, we've talked about it. We had some callers talk about it. I've seen some chatter today. How many fans did ECU add to Dowdy Ficklin Stadium with that oh, comeback yeah. win the other night? Oh, I, I would say, yeah, it's got to be in the thousands. I would say a couple thousand probably because I, I think just just you know how it looks on paper when you look down and you see East Carolina zero and three. You know, if you see East Carolina one and two, and you know what just happened, I mean, and and games like that, when you come from behind and you get the win like that, they're just, you know, it's something that we'll be talking about for years now. I mean, you know, Holt Naylor's will will talk about it, and hopefully he'll continue to play well, and they'll have even better things to talk about down the line. But that game, and I I really think those last seven and a half minutes may have saved the season because if you start off zero and three, and your goal was to get to six at least, and they, they won't stop at six if they get to six, right? But but they want to get to a bowl so badly, and you know they got to get the six to, to get to that bowl, and and that's that was a get a, a big one to get. Changed the entire complexion of the season, changed the mood of the fan base. We finally had a fun fifth quarter college yeah. show. We had a guy that was ready to call in and have Donnie fired, Bench Holton, and then he was talking about a 9-10 win season. Yeah, in a span <laughs> of like four that. seconds. Well, I thought about this. I was thinking about you guys you know, in that fourth quarter. I said, you know, what, what Cliff and them should have done is started the, the postgame show about the seven-minute mark because then you'd have had all the people calling in, ripping everybody. Oh, mad oh. At but yeah. we had those, uh, I had those tweets Saturday night, go ahead and start the show. Right. It's, I, I tweeted... Can we get a running clock in the fourth quarter so I can get out of here? I mean, that's how crazy that comeback was. I had given up. I admit it. That would have been a show for the ages, though. You get you know, all those guys on ripping everybody and firing everybody. Well, they just scored, but it don't matter. Yeah. We had a lot of callers eating crow Saturday night. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. But, yeah, you'd be on like, oh, they, they just got an onside kick. <laughs> Things are changing quickly. That would have been awesome, Bailey. West we Virginia. We'd have to start doing that. Yeah, I mean, that, would have been, that would have been absolutely classic. But a big win for the Pirates. Congratulations to head coach Mike Houston, quarterback Holt Naylor's, and the entire Pirate program. I saw some of the players today, by the way. They were at the hospital, the children's hospital, and they're not allowed to go in and see the children like they, you know, for years they've been able to do. But because of COVID, obviously, you can't do some of that. So they were outside, and they were taking chalk and drawing pictures on the chalk. And so what it is is 
so the children that can't come outside can look out the windows and see them. And then some of the children that can go outside can go enjoy. But the guys were drawing pirates and uh, pirate ships. And uh, it was uh, C.J. Johnson was was uh, he was um, drawing a SpongeBob. I'm not sure it looked like SpongeBob, <laughs> but that's what he said it was. But they had a good time over there, and that was a lot of fun. All right, let's yeah, uh, Holden Aylers, Raja Harris, Tyler Sneed, and uh, Bruce Bibbins and Xavier Smith coming up today. Great. On Pirate Radio Live. Victory Monday on yes, Pirate yes, Radio Live. I'm finally looking forward to those chats. Yeah. <laughs> They'll be a little chattier, I, I think, think so. after a big win. All right. That's my show for this week. I want to thank Jeff Blake, the former East Carolina quarterback, for going back in time and comparing the two big comebacks. Also want to thank Matt Davis with the Down East Wood Ducks. The Woodies in action at Historic Granger Stadium coming up on Tuesday and Wednesday night's best three out of five series with the Charleston River Dogs. Thanks so much for kicking off your sports week with us, and we'll see you back here next week on The Brian Bailey Show. This has been The Brian Bailey Show, brought to you by Angus Grill, Bostick Sug Furniture, Bojangles, East Coast Grady, The Gavigan Agency, Greenville Auto World, Papa John's, Pepsi, Seared Chop House, Taft Taft and Hagler, Tiebreakers, BMS Builders, and The Rick House. Join us next time for another edition of The Brian Bailey Show, exclusively on Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation.